Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. Baptist Church. We're glad you're here this morning. If you are watching this for the first time, we want you to feel welcome. If you are searching for a church home, we want to direct you to our website, friendshipsturgis.com. And on there, you can select two things. I'm new, and you can get a lot of information. Or if you're someone that you've been here a thousand times, you can look at the one that says, you know, I'm a member. And there's a number of resources online, small groups and ways to give and ways to, you know, invest and search and look a little bit more about the things that Friendship Baptist has to offer. So we hope that you'll check that out today. This evening we'll be looking, sorry, let's erase that. It's hard to do. Hard not to do. Okay. This morning we're looking at 1 Corinthians 14, 20 through 40. I want to thank Zach for reading that and, and putting all of that, that time and effort down and that. But I want to like take it out and expand this. This past week, you know, we looked at prophecy being something that's a spirit a superior gift. And we defined it in that church setting as something that others look to. And, 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 and there's being an issue of interpretation and there being an issue of the fact that it wasn't any more important than the other because we all work together as part of the body for the overall purpose. So it was very much so. There's this week we're looking at the instruction for the church. How do we unpack this? How do we understand what, what these passages are saying that Zach read? Well, in the first five passages, starting at verse 20, we need to think about maturity. To be mature in faith, that means that you have grown beyond just being an infant, meaning that you're just in the basic knowledge, but you are very much studying and learning and, and growing in your faith. You're leading others to do the same thing, but you're not so easily taken by the small stuff by the things which so easily ensnare so many. You've grown and matured in your faith. So, it it, it stands in all of this that you have to be looking for those things, thinking about what you're doing, how you're living, and what you're partaking in. But for the church, you have to have a certain level of growth and maturity. Those who have gifts are those, spiritual gifts, are those who are believers in Christ. Mature believers in Christ are those who continue to grow and to look past those that are doing things for selfish gain or for their own accolades instead of something that benefits the whole, benefits everyone. So it... It it has to be, and it has to go in here. Yes, it grows the church. Yes, it benefits the church. But how does it introduce others who are outside the church 
to Christ? How does it help them understand their need? How does it help? And it's easily discernible and understood. I said last week that if you have a spiritual gift, you shouldn't have to tell somebody what it is. You shouldn't have to just say, hey, this is my spiritual gift. The way you live your life and the things that you do should give people an understanding of of what you're trying to do in living out all that God has given you. Everybody is good at something different. Everybody does things better or does things well. The question becomes, spiritually, are the gifts and abilities which you are using Are they for the growth of the church, but do they bring glory to God? If that's your utmost importance in all of this, then it's not going to be about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And it's about being clear in all those things. Because reality is, how we live and what we do, it's God that does the saving. It's God that speaks to the heart of mankind. It's God who does that, but, but we have to be willing And we have to use everything in our arsenal to be able to do what God has called us to do. Because you and I face a foe today that is just like the Bible. Evil is rampant. Lies are going on. People are skeptical. The world around us and even in our churches, there are people that that make every kind of excuse not to be here and be engaged and involved and, and so there's, there's a sense that the world has crept in and you and I must do our diligence in our faith, in our studying, in our growing, in our maturity in order that we might be the most effective in the area that God has called us to do. So we're not easily swayed. We're not easily taken We're mature because we have actively pursued after that relationship with God, invested so much time in the purposes and the plan of God that it's evident to those around us that we have the heart of God in all that we do. That's what changes the face of a church. That's what helps us discern those that are on the right path or those that are on the wrong path. And that's what helps us be effective communicators of our faith. You can't tell people what you don't know. And you can't lead somebody where you've never been. So it's important that you are growing deeper in your faith, that you might be able to communicate that to the world. So the ultimate, secondly, we have to think about the outcome of what we're trying to accomplish. When we assemble, when there's spiritual things going on, scripture reading, when someone's teaching, when someone has a revelation, when someone tries to speak in tongues, there has to be an interpretation. There has to be an understanding that all things are done for the edification of the church, but ultimately for the glory of God. So there has to be some recognition that that when someone, as in this passage in 1 Corinthians, when someone speaks in tongue, there must be an interpreter. There must be someone there. But if there's no interpreter, verse 28 says, then he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself to God. But let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if... It is revelation is made to another who is seated. The first must keep silent. So 
There has to be some explanation. In other words, someone in that sense is speaking in tongues. There has to be an interpreter. There has to be some communication going on. There has to be someone who's able to explain what is what is being said or communicated right then. If there's not, then that's meant for just you and God. There has to be this understanding. Verse 33 brings it about, this, this idea of revelation. So thirdly, we need to think about revelation. It says this about prophecy, about prophets, about God and all this. Verse 33, and this is something you can highlight and understand about all of this. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. And in all the churches of the saints. So God is not going to contradict himself. God is not going to give a word to somebody that, that cannot be found within scripture. There, there, there has to be some understanding that it is a God-ordained statement or it is a God-ordained gift. He's not going to be a God of confusion, but peace. Chances are you've heard a million and one things right now and hear about why we are going through the times we're going in today. You might have heard some people say, well, it's something that's made up. You might have somebody that says, well, it's just something that, you know, that we're going through all the way to someone who says it's the end of time. And even still others who are saying what? That God's punishing us for something. Well, there's so many different rationales and reasons behind what's going on right now and the illness and pandemic of it all. The truth of the matter is that there are people getting sick and recovering. There are people getting sick and dying. Then there are people that simply are unaffected by it all. We don't have a complete answer in all things. But you and I, just like that, you and I entrust ourselves to God, His direction, His guidance, and we do our very best to live according to His Word and direction and will in our lives, to use all the gifts, abilities, and everything at our arsenal and at our opportunity and at our fingertips for the glory of God, for His kingdom's sake. Because if there are men and women who are losing their lives, aren't they very much the ones that need to hear about Jesus Christ? Aren't they the ones that need to hear and see the church working together in unity? Aren't they the ones that need to hear some word of clarity, an authentic word from God, not something fabricated based on feelings or something that sounds good or something that just rolls around as good to the palate? They need someone. And you need someone, we all need someone who's going to tell us the truth of what God's Word says. Even if it steps on our toes, even if it offends us, even if it causes us to really contemplate the way that we're living. And I know none of us really wants to make a whole lot of changes. But what we have to understand is if it's God-led, God-initiated change in our lives, we have to be the ones that are willing to step out and trust that God does have a plan. God is not a God of confusion. So you have to do your homework when people say they have a word from God. 
You have to study, you have to search, you have to spend time every day in His Word and so much time in prayer so that you might discern God's voice from all the others that are trying to speak. Because I promise you, you'll be able to discern His voice if you're spending time with Him. Scripture says this about the sheep and the shepherd, that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. You and I must listen for the still small voice. For God to speak in the great expanse of this chaos of right now. And He will offer peace. He will offer direction. Now in this passage of Revelation, it gives really a breakdown of women and men and what the roles were. And I want you to understand, if you are one of our women watching today, I want you to understand this is a male-dominated society. It was a very much, the men did business, spoke in public, had interactions and, and dealings that, that the women didn't particularly have that role in that society. But it was very much a a deal to where it designated the difference in that society. Whereas women might be more outspoken today and might be on more of an equal level with men in certain respects, and there might be a lot of things where women are working, women are the ones bringing home, you know, the main income and all of those things. You have to understand these particular passages were written for an audience and a people that are separated from our society today. What you have to do is be able to separate that and say, okay, what is God trying to speak to me about in this? So verses uh, 34 and 35 talk about those different roles. Verse 34 said, The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves just as the law also says. 35, If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Where could that be important today? Men, you are to be in a marital relationship, are to be the leader of your home. You are to be the one that brings the primary teaching of Scripture and helping craft all those things to lead your wife to grow in her faith and to know Christ better and to walk with her during those ups and downs in life. The same thing goes if you have children. You are to lead them to, to fear and to also trust in the Lord. You are to lead them in growing in knowledge because you, you have to think about it like this. When you are leading in that way as men, it's so much easier for the, the woman in our relationship, the wife in our relationship, the kids that are there, it's so much easier when they see those characteristics of God demonstrated in our lives that they're willing to say, okay, I will follow you because you are following Him. That I will take your lead on this because I respect you as the leader of the home. I will take your lead because I see the way that you love. I see the way that you serve. I see your selflessness in all that you do, and I see the hand of God in your life. It's not always about you. It's about God in you. 
in this passage, it brings those relationships in order, but I think it's an understanding to where the dominating society during that time, the spiritual leader, very much should be the spiritual leader today. If you find yourself this morning, you say, well, what if I'm single? You need to be as close to God as possible. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you're walking through, if you're not married, if you're single, you need to be as close to God as you can. That means praying every day. That means studying Scripture every day. That means looking at His Word, meditating on it, and letting it live within your heart so that when you're faced with the world around you and you have to stand for something, you stand for the Word of God and the purposes of God in this world. And that you're not easily swayed to and fro, or you're not easily tricked into believing something is biblical or godly, and it's not. You're able to tell the difference in those things. So there's very defined understanding. Fourthly, you need to think about the, the properly and orderly way of things, and the manner of things. We have to be ones who follow the leadership and the commandments of the Lord. And when you and I are willing to follow the leadership and the commandments that He has set for us, then it's going to be evident in our life that we follow Him. There's going to be a fruitfulness in the way that we walk. There's going to be an understanding in the way that we do business, in the way that we study, in the way that we serve, in the way that we go. It's not our heart, but it's the very heart of God in us. So we do things differently. We live differently. We serve and we don't care who, humanly speaking, gets the credit if God gets the glory. Because it's what God can do in a situation that transforms the situation. You and I, we are just making ourselves available to God. We are very much ones who are serving after Him. All these things must be done in a certain proper and orderly manner according to the leadership, the guidance of God in our lives. We have to avail ourselves to Him. We have to be mature in our thoughts. We have to think about the outcome. Look to Him for the explanation, the revelation. And think about the order it should go. So there's some things that, as we try to draw application from this passage, that we really want to look at. Because I want you to walk away from this really understanding and knowing what you've heard, how to really live it out. And maybe some of these parts of these passages have kind of seemed kind of Hard to understand. And I know that's where a lot of people come at God's Word and they say, you know, sometimes God's Word's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. But the more you look, the more answers you find. The more you meditate on God's Word, the more it becomes a part of who you are. And the more it becomes a part of who you are, the more it will come out during times of great need. So firstly, as we draw application of this, mature believers should offer clarity, not confusion. Clarity means that you lead others towards Him, towards Christ, towards understanding their God-given abilities and talents, and you're willing to help them mature and grow in their faith, whatever it takes. 
to be a person who offers confusion, when someone walks away from talking to you or watching your life, are they left scratching their heads saying, you know what, I don't understand anything better than I did before. I'm not even sure if they understand what they're saying. If you lead them to have more muddy waters, then what are you doing? You're causing confusion. And there are so many people that are leading out of what they can selfishly gain rather than how they can serve the body. They're looking at how they might please others versus be led by God. His word will not lead somebody to be confused. He will not lead somebody because he's not the God of confusion. He offers clarity. He offers peace. But you have to look to the maker, to the author of all things. And that is not me. And that is not us. It's only him. So he is not going to be an author of confusion. So we, as mature believers, have to offer clarity. How do you do that in your life? How are you doing that here and now? Are you one who goes online and makes all kinds of posts with all kinds of remarks and all kinds of things? Or are you online utilizing the time that you have and everyone else has to grow in your faith and lead them to know God better and understand their need for salvation, understand their need for growth? I think sometimes the reason we don't lead people and do as we should is because we're not living the life we ought to live. We're not mature in our faith. We don't spend time with Him every day. We don't consider His His Word and His leadership in our life as the oxygen to our spiritual lives. Without oxygen in your mind, in your heart, everything starts to break down. Spiritually, if you don't have that relationship, that daily walk with Him, then you're not going to be able to lead out and tell somebody in the same way. You're causing confusion more than anything else. Secondly, the purpose of the church has to be the edification of the kingdom of God. Individually and corporately, that should be the key that we allow to underwrite and inform everything we do and engage in. Is it benefiting the kingdom of God? And if the answer is no, then it's not worth my time. It's not worth your time. It's not worth wasting so much valuable time. Y'all, we might think that we've been in the, in, in the middle of all of this for, for such a long period of time, but really, it's not. And our lives are kind of like that. And the times we go through are kind of like that. It's how can we make the most of the time that we find ourselves in right now? And how can we do so for the kingdom of God? God has you in a place in your life right here and now to use you for His greatest purposes. Are you making yourself available to Him? Thirdly, the church is not to be divisive, but unified. Divisive, meaning it's not supposed to be splintered and busted in so many different ways. It's supposed to be standing together to give a an overall purpose and an understanding that the better we stand together, the better we are using our gifts, 
the way that we serve, the way that we go, the way that we minister, even with restrictions right now, says a lot about the faith that we have. The church ought to be unified. It ought to matter. So how can you and I demonstrate that individually, but also corporately? How can you and I understand that it's not just what the pastor says that matters. It matters in your daily walk and living out the gifts and abilities He's given you for yourself and your growth and your maturity, but the growth and the maturity of others and the church as you serve and as you go. See, the Bible tells us to go therefore, and that's not meant just for me. That's meant for us. That's meant for all disciples, all leaders. Fourthly, the church must set the tone for society, not the opposite. How often times has what's going on in the world around us affected the church instead of the church affecting the world around us? See, the, the world around us should never infiltrate and inform the church. The church very much led by God and the Spirit of God and the words of God and the gifts of His people should be meeting the needs of mankind so much so that it is changing relationships. It is changing marriages. It is changing lives. It is changing cultures and people groups. It is engaging and it is meeting the needs of those around us. For all those that are seeking, they're finding in that. So how often in your house is it the very opposite? Be honest with yourself. How often are you letting everybody else's agenda and the world's agenda drive your home, drive your marriage, drive the way that you deal with your kids and instruct and lead them? How often do you use excuses for not reading God's Word and praying? How often do you use excuses for skipping Sundays or skipping things or not leading the way you should lead? How often do you lead the way you ought to lead? Because if you are studying God's Word every day and it's becoming a part of you every day, the driving force in your life, then you can't help but speak truth in the lives of others. You can't help but lead, that, lead out in that way. But inversely, if you are being more like the world and less like Him, chances are you haven't picked up your Bible in days. Chances are you're not living out what you ought to be living. Chances are when somebody comes along with something that sounds biblical and is not really biblical, hook, line, and sinker, you bite into it because you don't know the difference, because you don't know Him, because you don't spend time with Him. That relationship is important. Be honest with yourself. Fifth, what is prohibiting you from becoming more mature in varied and vast endeavors? In other words, what is keeping you from achieving all that God has, has led and created you to do and be? What excuses have you made for the way that you're doing what you're doing and how you're living? So I want to do something with you here and now where you are on the opposite side of this screen, wherever you're watching this, wherever you're consuming this, whether it's at the sermon time or whether it's at a different time. 
Whether you're, you're binge-watching all the sermons that we've had by Netflix or you're watching it live, I want you to do something for, for me for here and now to help all of this really sink in and make sense. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to hold out your hands like this, okay? So close your eyes and hold out your hands like this. Now imagine whatever is keeping you from living and doing as you need to. What may be keeping you from believing in Jesus for the very first time? For those hands that you have held out, now cup your hands and place in those hand in those hands the items that you just thought of that are keeping you from doing and living or keeping you from knowing Jesus. Then close them together. As you are ready and as the music begins, I invite you to open your hands and symbolically give that to God. What you've held on to, what you're holding on to, pales in comparison to what God can do if you're willing to be vulnerable, if you're willing to give it to Him. God can change all things. He's a game changer. But you've got to be willing to let go and let God take control. So when you feel like in the, in the midst of this time right now, and when the music's playing and everything's going, this is your time right here and now. Open up your hands and give that to God. Trust in God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Understand that He died and rose again for your sins, that you might have freedom in Him. If you're willing to call on Him, He's willing to save you. If you're willing to acknowledge all the things which are going on in your life that you've done and ask forgiveness, He is willing to forgive every single time. If you haven't been the parent, the father, the friend, the leader, the one who is spiritually mature, if you haven't done the things you ought to do and if you've led others to be more confused than they are understanding of Scripture and the way that you live, now is the time to make a decision to follow Him, to allow for Him to take total control where He should have already had control in your lives. Make that decision. Make that here and today. Father God, we come as we are here. God, we just ask that you lead. We ask that you guide and govern and direct our lives. We offer clarity you offer hope, you offer salvation. Heavenly Father, we trust in you. In your name. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.